All right, welcome everyone to Jubilee Street, a music podcast. My name is Ian McCurtis. I'm joined by Jake Curtis. As always, running through the control room, we got Buffy the HR dog. We got Blue the intern dog. And today <laughs> we are there. There, it's cited today. Today we are talking about the NoFX record. So long, and thanks for all the shoes. Ian, you want to uh, introduce our uh, special guest for this episode? So this is a special episode. This is your birthday, Jake. This will be coming out on your birthday. I'm telling Tim. I don't know how your memory is, Jake, but this is also the two-year anniversary of the podcast. The first episode came out on your birthday in 2020. There was a podcast named Jubilee Street, a music podcast hosted by Jake and Ian. It's uh, a so, little foggy. You know how much weed I used to smoke back in the day. So thanks for bringing up my memory problems. But uh, still, <laughs> we have with us uh, the Titan of Twitch, the Deacon of Dixie Highway. Ooh, you might know him as Endless Mike. You might know him as Stinky Mike. You might know him as Cadillac Young. We're talking about Mike Stewart. Great oh, time oh? guest. Don't call me Mike. Don't call me Mike. Triple Crown. So, uh, why don't we, like, get started talking about everybody's, like, background with NoFX? Um, uh, sure. So, I, I probably got into NoFX in, like, seventh grade, like I'm sure a lot of people did, like, entry-level punk. And, like Mike, I, I heard them on a lot of comps, and then I became friends with our friend Chad, and NoFX was his favorite band. And this was the day of, like, you know, right when... This might have even been, like, Windows Media Player, when you would, like, rip CDs onto your computer. I don't even know if iTunes was a thing yet. And uh, so we'd pass CDs back and forth. And I was like, can I uh, rip your NoFX CDs? And he was like, which ones? And I was like, <laughs> I don't, like all of them. And then the next day he comes to school with a stack, like, you know, <laughs> two feet high. Um... And I just became obsessed. The records are like 20 minutes, so you, I could, I was able to, you know, on a bus ride, I could listen to like three full lengths, you know? And then when you asked to do this episode, Jake, I was thinking about it, and they just might be the band that's been like one of my favorite bands for the longest time. Like, they, they've always been a band I listen to a lot. They introduced me to politics when I was young. Then when I got a little older, and I was like figuring out who I was and like... I feel like Fat Mike's like uh, way of talking about like sex and gender and all that was like different than what other people were doing, mm-hmm. and that really resonated with me. And then now is like a thirty-year-old, just his songwriting resonates with me. So, been a very important band to me for a very long time. Yeah, and like someone that I don't, uh, you know, Tim Armstrong seems like a creep. Davey Havoc's kind of just lame now. Like, I-, I don't ever have to feel like bad for loving NoFX. Mm-hmm. They never. They've never really disappointed me. Fat Mike's done some dumb shit, but never anything where I'm like, oh, he's a bad person. So it's funny, Ian, like your connection with Chad. So my memory of getting into NoFX is I was 13 and 
I was like, I've probably told this story on the podcast before, but I don't know if Mike's heard it. So I'm excited to tell it to him. I was like kind, I felt like I never really felt cool at all. Like while I was in school, you know, like I felt like I was cool because I liked like weirder music than most of the kids at Mail who just, you know, probably just listened to like the radio or, you know, Eminem or something. I'm not shit on Eminem, but, you know, uh, t- there's there's a time and a place for uh, the Marshall Mathers LP and and that that <laughs> first Eminem record's really good. Now, he's it, a little problematic now, but anywho, what I'm getting at is uh, in eighth grade, I feel like that was when I felt the coolest. I like was hanging out with like hot girls and like I was hanging out with all the skater dudes. And then I was friends with like Chad. So like, I felt like I had like a base. And then like when I got to high school, I just completely became like unknown again, which was weird, like really weird. Like all the friends I had in eighth grade were just like, you know, not interested in talking to me anymore. Really like weird experience. Anyway, Chad and uh, Chad was on, we were on the bus to like the, the Ramada on Hurstbourne Parkway, they were doing our like graduation ceremony there. And he handed me Mm. the CD booklet to war on errorism. And like, I don't know if that's exactly when he gave me the CD, but I, that like, I remember that moment and Chad and I like looking through that booklet and like me having no understanding that like what whoops, I whoops, I OD'd meant, you know, I was just like, whoops, Mm. I OD'd. It was just funny to me. Oh, so um, much other stuff went over in my head when I was like 13. But it's know, like all that stuff, all that in the same way that I loved Blink-182, like all that stuff with punk bands, like it just resonated with me. I was really close to being like a young Republican by the time I got into high school. No effects. I often credit besides like my mom being like pretty liberal and like kind and open minded around my brother and I as kids. Like no effects was kind of the band that like showed me that like George Bush was an idiot. And mm-hmm. I think it kind of planted this seed in me that I was like, yeah, like, you know, as Fat Mike likes to say, like, in so many words, like, fuck the status quo kind of thing. And mm-hmm. so, you know, NoFX wasn't a band that I listened to religiously, but I've always, like, thought that one of my, a couple of weeks ago, you sent out that, you know, 25 favorite songs of all time playlist. And I haven't made mine yet, but I think about it all the time and I plan on putting it together soon. This, uh, the, um, separation of church and skate is always going to be one of my favorite songs of all time. Like I remember the first time I heard that, that guitar solo, um, the intro is so like, it's such, just such a perfect song. And so it was really cool. Like within the last couple of years, I've had a new appreciation for them. And I listened to, you know, punk and Drublick more in depth. I've listened to war on errorism, like ad nauseum the last like month or so I'll put that record on and it just plays. I'm like hearing the lyrics for the first time in a way that I didn't get when I was younger. And so, and I read their book recently. Um, Ian sent me their book for my birthday last year and I finally finished it. And uh, I can't recommend the book enough. Like it's one of the best like memoir, like biography books I've ever read. And for like a punk band in the, like that started in the eighties, or I guess it's like it's hard. It's kind of weird to think that they're an eighties band, but they kind of started in the eighties. Like they just managed to stay so solid and be like pretty, pretty awesome guys. Like they, they definitely had some, like, you know, they had some off color jokes. Like they, they had some shit that probably wouldn't fly with like today's punk scene. But I think there's part of, that's like part of the, 
the appeal to them is they're dirty, they're messy, you know, like all these guys have gone through some trouble with drugs or, you know, sex or like, I, I don't being know. Being fat. I, being fat, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, it, I didn't even occur to me that, you know, we have, we're talking about two mics in the building. We've got Mike Stewart and Fat mm -hmm. Mike, so that's cool. Um, and we're both fat. Two of them. Two, which one is which? Two of my most important mics. Both um, not actually that fat. That's <laughs> thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, I won't go on too much longer about it. Like I love No Effects, and I was excited to invite uh, Mike onto the podcast to talk about it. Um, because uh, Ian had mentioned to me that your I don't know partner, girlfriend, uh, child is into No Effects, and you'd like kind of been hearing about him a little more is that right or am i totally off base there did you say my partner slash girlfriend slash child no <laughs> no i said your partner slash girlfriend's child <laughs> yeah no i could see how that would sound weird so my partner and her child are super into it uh i mean they like she she grew up on all the same stuff we did uh mm -hmm. you know she has she loved no effects you know, back like when y'all did, not, and I say it like that because I was I was a late bloomer. You know, I was a a late teen before I really started to let it click with me. Um, but yeah, so he also loves it. I mean, he again loves it probably as long as I have because he's fourteen now and he's grown up on it. Uh, but yeah, a lot most of our drives are spent listening to you know something of that nature. Not always, obviously, no effects, but something in that vein. A lot of Lupinay too, which I'm absolutely happy about. Um, but yeah, so I've been hearing a lot more of it. I mean, you know, like I never stopped completely, uh, but you know, they know every deep cut and we, we put on a lot of fun, fun, no effect songs that I'd never heard before. So, you know, it's interesting. We like Blink-182 got brought up cause I know how important they are to all three of us. Uh, Ian made like a playlist last year or was it earlier this year? Time's weird still, uh, where, um, you like made your own version of the self-title. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, that was fun. And yeah. No Effects talks about in their book about how like I don't know if they necessarily say that Blink like ripped them off, but they talk a little bit about how like No Effects kind of like was doing the ba the like stage banter and the kind of dirty jokes like around the time that Blink One Eighty Two started doing it. And I've never gotten the vibe that. I don't think that they have like beef, but I don't think Fat Mike likes Blink Twenty Two all that much. Yeah, I, I don't think it's not like bad blood, but I think like Mike Fat Mike would probably let you know be like, yeah, you know, and he'd be joking probably be like, yeah, fuck those guys. But like the the through line I'm getting to is like I hear some of these songs, and we'll finally get to the record that we're kind of focusing on today. Uh, so long and thanks for all the shoes. Um, there's songs like Murder the Government and kids of the k-hole and then it's my job to keep punk rock elite which are like, which are like <laughs> all amazing song titles and like i'm listening to murder the government and it makes me feel the same way as i did when i first heard um dysentery gary on enema of the state and mm -hmm. I, I know shut up is such a cheesy song from take off your pants and jacket but like the way those songs made me feel as a kid is i just felt like I was like the head honcho, like the big man on campus. Like I was listening to something that was so special and cool. And like hearing these songs now, like I think that's one reason that No Effects just has stuck with me for so long. And 
why I still their music still resonates with me is like it feels nostalgic and fresh at the same time and you know they have that Andy Kaufman quality like with the the Cokie the Clown thing and the like they have a very political kind of like spit in your face mentality but it's also lighthearted somehow it's 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 great amen um so what what made you uh pick this album i know this is, isn't this fat mike's favorite no effects album is it did he talk about that in the book i can't remember uh he probably mentioned it there's so much stuff in that book and uh as we talked about earlier brain damage from all the pot i'm still smoking <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh down a pee hole <laughs> <laughs> that's great uh you know it's funny to say that not to get off on a tangent but i didn't know what a k-hole was until i looked it up and then i was like oh, i'm so stupid um it, i had did you probably think it was some sort of butthole reference or something? dude i think i was trying to make some connection that it was about like being in a foxhole in korea like some weird mm. crazy thing um that's amazing but it, it, as soon well, as i, I, I didn't up, know i probably didn't know what it meant till i was like 25 because it's a play on the adolescent song kids the black hole mm -hmm. and i was just like oh this must be some inside joke with them and the ad i don't even know what it means oh that's super cool that was never a drug that i got exposed to and i don't think i've had any interest in doing it it seems pretty stupid uh but it's too late <laughs> is that a, a uh, birthday what is that a three days grace reference never too late i didn't listen to them <laughs> Um, that was one of the bands Jake was putting on in the bus and he was like, I feel like the big man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a callback to that song I made up when we were living together, Ian. Um, I'm a big guy. And when I'm getting high, you know I'll be stomping yeah. around. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I chose this record because I was talking to Ian the last couple of months. I was like, you know, I love War on Errorism. I've heard Punk and Drublick. I've listened to Pump Up the Valium. Um, but I've never really listened to this record. So it was just kind of like, Ian was like, well, why don't we do that one? And I was like, cool. And I've been listening to it like at least a couple of times the last couple of weeks, if not more than that. I come back to multiple songs just to listen to on their own. So, and I don't know. It, it's just, this is like a, it's like a hangout record to me. It's like something that I just like talking about. I like, you know, I, I figured... Ian would probably have some like backstory that I wouldn't know about with some of these songs. Um, there's some cool references to music culture. I don't know if cool is the right word because I think there's kind of like a little bit of a beef going on with like, uh, is it kill the rock stars or kill all your rock stars? I think the song just called kill rock stars. Kathleen Hanna. I wanted yeah. to ask you guys what you thought of that. So that song sticks out to me the most is the kind of like, it's not like the most no FX song, but there is kind of like a, quality to it where i feel like I, I i don't know i'm curious what do you guys think about it like do you do you think given the context mike is in the right or fat mike's in the right or what do you think so a little a little context there's a song i think it's on the previous record heavy petting zoo called black and white mm -hmm. and kathleen hannah said that that song was misogynistic i think she might even said that fat mike was misogynistic uh and then Fat Mike writes this song, and then La Tigre wrote a song called, I think it's called Decepticon. It's like one of their bigger songs, and she's kind of, she's kind of going in on Fat Mike again. They kind of had a back and forth. Uh, I definitely don't think Fat Mike's in the right, but it's kind of the thing that makes me love No Effects is that 
I feel like all of us are kind of attracted to these artists, whether it be like Kanye or Neil Young or Nick Cave or Fat Mike in this case, where like when you listen to their music, you feel like you have an idea of who they are as a person. So like, I feel like I know his sense of humor. I feel like I know his politics. I feel like I know his serious side. I know what makes him sad. I know what makes him angry. Like these artists that show every side of their personality. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that like, even though this is like, I don't think the most nuanced or like right take to have. I like when an artist is just like, this is how I feel today and I'm going to make a song about it. And maybe it's going to look dumb in 10 years, but like, this is how honest I am with my audience. Mm -hmm. I wish people but, were more but, forgiving of that. Cause I agree. I think that's a cool way to be. And if we were able to acknowledge, like we were all wrong sometimes that would be more acceptable. But a lot of times I feel like, you know, you're not allowed to be that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's I think we're moving into a time period again where there's a little bit of an exhaustion with like cancel culture and there's also a big difference between like being that guy in punk music that is like you know, screw you. I'm going to write a song. You know, it's like he's not being like you're you're a goddamn well, bitch. Shut it, up, right? like, you know? Like he's he's just saying like, you know, he's trying to make a point. He's trying to like you know, figure it out in real time. And I think that there's a lot of people who probably wouldn't do that as well or be willing to fall as gracefully as he does in a lot of these songs. I, I think that, like, they both kind of like being the antagonist of mm -hmm. punk. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure these feelings were legit on both sides, but, like, neither of them has said anything about it in, like, 20 years, and I imagine they have to run into each other fairly often. At, like, they run in similar circles, I can't imagine the beef is that serious. No, I think it's probably squashed. If anything, you know, they're probably just like doing that like indie rocker head nod whenever they run into each other on the street <laughs> and then it's just whatever. I'm sure. But it is, it is the one song on this record where I'm like, uh, you know, I could, I, could, I could leave this one. The, well, what did you think, Mike? <clears throat> yeah, I'm in that boat. I, I mean, I really like it. Uh, and I guarantee you... If I'd been older when it came out, I would have like, I probably would have liked it a little too much. If I'm being mm -hmm. honest, you know, mm -hmm. I would have, I would have felt like it was speaking up for, for me, um, which I think is valid. I think that that it's easy or it was easy in the punk scene maybe to, before people were so communicative and and uh, able to explain themselves, you know, to maybe feel like you were doing something wrong just by existing. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I think that that's where he's coming from, where he's like, you know, we're all just like equality or whatever. But, you know, you get older and you see like memes. Memes are, I always use the word meme. I know before memes they were just pictures. <laughs> but, you know, like <laughs> diagrams of, of equality versus, uh, I can't remember the other words, but you know what I'm talking about. And you're like, Oh, that's what it is. Like, I, I still had a leg up. I still had privilege, even if I didn't feel it. Uh, and then it it just feels a little different, you know? So, so yeah, that's where I'm at. I like it still, and I understand its place. I wouldn't, I don't like it in the same way I would have liked it when I was younger. And I'm grateful that I didn't hear it back then, or I might have liked it too much. I know what you're saying with that sentiment, too. Um, Mike, did you have you heard the any of the the new songs from that new Kendrick Lamar album? Uh, I've heard the whole thing, and I think it's 
a masterpiece. So I think that he kind of takes that sentiment of like, you know, being willing to be like imperfect and messy. And, you know, there was a lot of flack around the, um, is it uh, Auntie Diaries? Is that the song where he talks about his transgender? <laughs> yeah, I, yes. I, I think like I understand why people got up in arms about it because that's what people do. But I think that that's like the most graceful way I've ever heard anyone talk about like difficult ideas for them, for people to process in a way that's like how people actually talk. And I kind of feel like obviously Fat Mike isn't as necessarily as poetic as Kendrick gets on the high points of that record, but... I think that that song that uh the kill all your rock stars or kill the rock stars song definitely kind of like mimics that the sentiment of that Kendrick album if that I don't know if is that is that a good connection does that make sense Yeah I think so just yeah. riding, off, riding off the cuff which you know a lot of people don't do or like for for fear of looking stupid or being canceled or whatever you know don't do it as much. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, that's tough. Like, all three of us um, in varying capacities, you know, Mike, you like to draw and do, like, visual art, but you're also an amazing guitarist and a songwriter. and a, and a, well, thank and a you. Sing- Of course, and, you know, same thing for Ian. Like, you know, great bass player. You, you've been putting out, making some cool stuff, like, in – Pro Tools and all that stuff. You write songs. You've always been a great songwriter, great lyricist. Like, you know, I I make music, I write. And I think, like, there are these things that happen when you're in that creative process. Like, how will, willing am I to, like, how, how far can I take this, you know? Like, even if, mm-hmm. you know, we're not necessarily on that scope of, like, Kendrick Lamar or even NoFX, but it's like, you do have, you do wonder, like, how genuine can you be or, or and how your music will be seen and stuff like that, but that was mostly well, let, just a way for me into, to uh, gas you guys up. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. I mean, I I feel the same towards you, and I'm sure Mike does too. Oh, um, absolutely. Uh, so let's move into. I think my I don't know if it's my I'll say it's my favorite song on the record, and this song is like one of the most important songs to me in the world, and I think follows that um, idea you were just speaking on, Jake. Which is the desperation's gone, which is just like a oh dude, I know exactly song, what you're talking about. That song is like a like if I'm feeling uninspired, that song is like a mission statement. It's like gasoline for yeah. me, like fuels me. Um, I I remember you know with Chad and our other friends, like we got into punk rock in middle school, high school, and we just had this like bubbles, just our friends. Like I'm sure you guys had a, a similar thing with the people you grew up with, like, discovering music. And I feel like we we built this idea of what, like, punk rock was that maybe wasn't what it actually was when we all started going to shows often. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was going to be this, like, like the Kill Rock Star song. Like, I thought it was going to be this, like, exchange of ideas and you're not afraid to be offensive because we're all here because we like the same stuff. And, like, it's okay if you offend me because I know you're, you like this stuff too, like, this is a safe space for ideas. And I know every city is different, but at least in Louisville, that's not really how it was. And I felt like, I, I'm not trying to say music shouldn't be fun and everybody can should play music for whatever reasons they have, but I felt like, I, I saw a lot of people around me, this is when like Noodly Emo was popping off. Like, <laughs> 
people were like <laughs> more concerned with with tones and like how complicated parts can be than like writing good songs and I'm right here saying Ian. something. What? <laughs> I just said I'm right here. <laughs> That's this so not, good. Not, Self-burn. <laughs> this is so not either of you at all. Yeah. Um, and this, the, the desperation gone, is gone. Uh, you know, I knew that song, but when I was about 18, it became like a really important song to me because I feel like Fat Mike saying the same thing. There's the line that's like, uh, those four chords sound similar, the same forbidden beat, but the desperation's gone. Mm-hmm. It's like I was surrounded by all these bands that sounded like something, sounded like bands I like. But the fire just what like, they just had nothing to say. And I'm like, why are you writing a song? I feel like the process of writing the song should start because you want to say something like, it's important to you. And I just felt like, I mean, we you can turn on the radio. We're we're surrounded with it all the time. But I just feel like there's so much music that just seems like, you know, no passions behind it. Mm-hmm. And I just this song just like if I'm feeling down about that, it just like reminds me of why I like to make things. That's beautiful. I like that. I definitely like that. Um, you know, that does uh, make me want to bring up, there's a good amount of ska on this record. And Dude, I was going to talk, oh my God, I love it. Yeah, all the ska songs are amazing, right? My favorite song on the record has always been one of the, the reggae ones. So so I think the, uh, Ian backed me up here. Uh, I think... Uh, Eat the Meek is one of them. Um, yeah, that's Des- my favorite. I think that's, Desperation's yeah, that's Gone is also got that kind of reggae, like ska vibe. And then is it 180 Degrees? No, Desperation Gone is just like a, just like a straight-up punk song. Okay, I'm thinking uh, All Out of Angst all and then angst. One, 180 Degrees. Okay, A few of them, though, will bust into it for like the bridge or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's all over the record. I, I think it's really well done. And, you know... I wasn't ever, not because I didn't like them, but just because I wasn't exposed to it. And I, it's honestly a glaring error, but I never really, I, I couldn't tell you an Op Ivy song. That's like a big, like, blind spot for me. There's a lot of bands, like, mm-hmm. like punk bands like that for me. Like, I just started getting into Bad Religion, and I'm, like, kicking myself because uh, Ian actually gave me some Bad Religion CDs in high school. I burned them to my iTunes, but I never listened to them. I think I played, like, two songs, and I was like, you know, 15 years later, here we are. I was like, give me more Coheed and Cambria. Get out of here, Greg. Grandpa, <laughs> <or whatever." laughs> but that's that's just how I was when Mike's I was Mike's throwing up. He's got to leave the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, my, our apologies. Mike's just profusely vomiting off Mike. <laughs> Corey, this goes out to you. Manio, battle, <laughs> He'll love that. He's going to talk about that for like two weeks. Um, yeah, Eat the Meek. Anything you want to add about that one, Mike? Uh, so I do. One, there's definitely a girl singing on there, right? I don't know. I don't think so. Is that just one of those dudes having a beautiful voice? It's probably it, yeah, Melvin or, or Hefe, yeah. El Hefe doing the high pitch. And then live, he usually sings the lead vocal on it. Like, he usually, <laughs> okay. usually sings it. Yeah. So what it reminds great me voice. of. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't realize it, but definitely if that's him, uh, what it reminds me of, and and it's weird because I had to make this connection in reverse because I didn't know the band Low when I knew No Effects, obviously, but it reminds me of something Low would do. Those harmonies. Those like harmonies. 
Yeah, like I literally, you know, now that we're talking about it, I want to like just lay down a synth line that's that melody, but without all the fun stuff and trumpet, mm-hmm. and then just play, just do those harmonies because they're like they're slow and pretty. Like for me, it's it's definitely like wow, that's a little different. And I know that they've always done good harmonies. There's some excellent harmonies all over this record. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a few weird notes. I know I've told you about other songs of theirs where I was always like. There's this note yeah. he hits that I think is weird. There's a couple songs in this where he does the same thing, and I think it's the exact same note correlation. So it's probably not wrong. It just sounds funny to me. <laughs> but uh, well, well, Fat Mike's a pretty bad singer, and then El Jefe, the guy doing harmonies, is like a great singer. So I think sometimes. They, yeah, that makes sense. There, there's a, uh, I think it's on one of the compilation, maybe like 45 or 46 songs that didn't make our other records. There's a dub version that's even slower. That I think uh, you With might gotta hear that. That sounds amazing. Ian, will you send that out after we get done recording? I'd love. To, I, I haven't heard that one either. I'll send it out in our in our group text, and you guys won't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Just send it to me, and I'll send it to Mike. <laughs> Technology. Um, I'll send it in. I'll send it in, in our other group. There we go. I, uh, I swear uh, yeah, to God, Meek, I think suck. is like. Sorry. <laughs> I, I think that's probably like the biggest song in this record as far as like i feel like every time i see no effects they play it i feel like everyone loves that song i mean that's like such a great no effects song hell yeah um, i've never seen them live but now that i know that i want to see them live i would expect that to be one of the ones they wouldn't play so well there's a couple obvious like favorites for me um i mentioned like i think the first honestly the first like half of this album is awesome like the momentum doesn't really stop it's just it just like hitter after like just it just hits every song hits like um i really like suits are torn you took i was just about to say that i love that part. i knew you were i knew yeah. you were <laughs> that song is so good um and i i on my first listens of it i thought he was saying billy corgan and i definitely did when i was a kid and, I and he has like, another song where he talks about billy corgan so I was like, oh, shit, is this like a Smashing Pumpkins, like, beef song or something? But mm-hmm. uh, I guess Billy Coben's like a friend of theirs or something, or it's a play on Kurt Cobain. Um, it's a song about somebody who commits suicide. But uh, I love that part yeah, where what, he comes in and he's like, um, who is he? Who the hell is he and why should we care for him? Uh, I just, I hear that song in my sleep. I love that song. Your uh, uh, partner should quit about... playing that while you're trying to sleep. <laughs> the 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 thing that like i love so much about no effects is like they can have that song and then dad's bad news the great Mm -hmm. song song about about, lunatic clause was written for you yeah a song about like suicide running in like generational like you know mental health like being passed down and they can have these songs that are so sad and dark and then immediately the song stops like stops and you get like murder the government which is like the most 12 year old you know thing it to totally write. is like, yeah the, the, the way they can go back and forth i think that's what makes no effects of band i can always listen to because you get like a little bit of everything that makes sense um i don't know i, I think it's a cover i love uh les champs say yeah that is definitely a cover because it knows a cover until today no, I, I, I wasn't sure if this... It, okay, so I know now, yeah. Um, I love this song. I 
I'll put this on and it just immediately puts me in a good mood and it just makes me appreciate what Hefe adds to the band even more. Like the trumpet, the trumpet. all over this album on this song in particular, where it's like like uh man who needs the record when you got jake <laughs> You're killing it. i'm just gonna like mouth sing the entire album there you go that's the whole album um yeah i really enjoyed that song uh i don't i looked up who covered it last night but i can't remember um, they did <laughs> yeah, they covered. I it. meant uh, who who they were covering, but I I didn't write it down. But um, I love that track. Um, any other any other ones I'm missing that you guys enjoy? Uh, so they're all good. Let's see. Uh, we hit my favorites: Eat the Meek, All the Suits Are Torn. Uh, what's the instrumental one? Uh, uh, see, I got it right up. Flossing, flossing a dead, a dead horse. horse. That's fun. How do you guys feel about court in session? I remember thinking it was a funny pun. Uh, there's a line in this one. Nothing seems much fun anymore to me. Um, that line kind of gets me because I had this moment. This uh, might be a little depressing to talk about, but... I have the I have these moments from time to time where I'm kind of I don't know if it's because I'm not quite satisfied in like what I'm doing all day in my life partially because I have to like give 40 hours plus of my life to a company just so I can like barely survive in California. Um and I love it here. I love living here, but it's tough and I feel like I've kind of jumped in and out of all these hobbies in the last like couple of years, especially during the pandemic where you know, I got really into magic and then, you know, I got really into like <laughs> Magic the Gathering. <laughs> not not magic tricks. That's that would be shit. Cool, I would love that. That's the only way it should be said is someone says magic and then someone else says quietly the gathering. Um, <laughs> well, I, did, I didn't want someone to imagine you in a top hat like, you know. <laughs> and, you know I, I, I got really into like Bloodborne and, you know, um, I've still been doing game. like the normal things. The video game. But, uh <clears throat> I don't know. This song really kind of, I don't know if it's where I'm at right now. And I'm kind of still kind of, I'm still personally like trying to find that direction or like where to really put all my energy or if I'm just very distracted by <coughs> things and not working on what I need to work on. But this song kind of struck me in that way. Like I was like, Oh wow. I, I yeah, I kind of feel that way sometimes. Like I'm kind of, I've kind of run out of things to do and I feel like I need to go back to my roots or something. I mean, this is another one, trip, like, trip. is a guy who has a pretty negative view of alcohol. The song doesn't really, not a sentiment that I enjoy. Uh, but, I mean, I respect him for making it. Like, if I was going through this, I feel like I wouldn't want to put those feelings out into the world. But it is honest, and, like, I feel like that is the point of art. Definitely. Well, Mike, uh, Fat Mike talks about that a lot in the, in the book. Like, he doesn't he doesn't, like have an interest in stuff or things like he you know he just got really into pills and drinking and then later he started doing a lot of drugs and you know even like he couldn't get himself to go on stage unless he was stoned so um <clears throat> I think it's definitely like again sort of that like him willing to be vulnerable but also kind of like 
doing it over this like really kind of poppy like synthy like very like blink 182 kind of chorus at the Sounds end like you know? franco and american yeah 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 yeah. <clears throat> exactly with the keyboards um let's see if there's anything else i I, I, you know, the last song, Falling in Love, was a song I always liked, but I didn't fully appreciate it until a couple years ago. They did that split with Frank Turner where Frank Turner covered No Effects songs, No Effects covered Frank Turner songs, and he does a, just like an acoustic cover of that song. And I'm like, holy shit, this is like a, you know, this could be like a Bright Eyes or Simon and Garfunkel, just like love ballad. If it wasn't done in this punk style, I'd, I'd never like realized how beautiful of a song it is. Yeah, well put. I, I think like one of the few Fat Mike just like I feel like he doesn't do a lot of just like straight love songs with like no comedy, no satire. For sure, that's just like a good love song. I I feel like this song just kind of ends, doesn't it? And it goes into that long, like goes into the Howard Stern. Thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Were you guys like Howard Stern fans growing up? I feel like that was before my time. I sadly I, I, was. I don't think it's, I don't feel like that's a, a lot of people like Howard Stern was like, where did they cut their teeth on comedy and stuff? Why do you say you were sorry? I mean, he was just super disrespectful to women. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, like when I was younger, obviously I didn't have the, moral compass that I have now. And I just I just kinda watched it. I shouldn't say I was a fan. It's not like I had T shirts or anything. But uh, you know, he he's pretty raunchy in a way that I don't think was respectful to anyone. He made fun of people for their looks. He you know, talked down to especially women, but to everyone, like he's not a good person. <laughs> I don't I don't know that it can be argued that he is. I don't care who cut their teeth there. Like he seems like a prick and maybe he's not now i've heard he's changed in a lot of ways and that's fine i don't really care one way or the other but like his show back in the day was just fucking garbage yeah it's definitely of of its time and the worst way possible i think so yeah i mean i would watch like the man show and then that so i was just fed like awful things obviously okay look how strong your moral compass was you turned out the way you did that's that's a very nice point. I agree. Isn't it insane that there was a show called The Man Show, as if every other show wasn't basically made for guys up until that point? Right. Yeah, this is the only and, one for men out of all the shows. There's none of that pussy shit like the sitcoms have. Like, this is just for men. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a segment of the show at the end where it was just called Girls oh, Jumping on Jeff Trampolines. Do you remember that? I literally <laughs> I cringe thinking about that. I cringe. Obviously, that, back then, I popped boners and thought it was funny, but... That was Jimmy Kimmel, right? Yeah, it's hard to believe Jimmy Kimmel shook that like he, off. Yeah, I feel like I like Jimmy Kimmel now. I never watched the main show, but it's hard to believe that that was his vibe. And he also did blackface. I don't know if that's accepted because people like him <laughs> or not, but he definitely did blackface. I can't remember who, like, some famous character, but... Dude, I think it's kind of a prerequisite to be on late night at this point. Who hasn't? Like Jimmy Fallon. Blackface. Did he really? Yeah. Like I don't know about James Corden, but uh, fuck, I know who you're. Uh, you know, he, Ted Danson wasn't a late night host, but Ted Danson did blackface. Wow. I think he actually did it at like trying to at, be like look like Whoopi Goldberg. Like just, oh shit. 
Uh, Billy Crystal did Sammy Davis Jr. Um, I think Jimmy Kimmel did a basketball player. Didn't he do like um, – it was like a, a 90s basketball player. Was it Carl Malone? Carl Malone, yeah. Okay. I was going to say I, I only know a few 90s basketball players' names. <laughs> hey, well, you picked the right one. Do you guys happen to know who the guy is that uh, blocked a dunk from Michael Jordan? He was like famous for that. He got signed to the Sonics. Was he a little short guy? I think, I think so, so yeah. yeah. Was it Gary Payton? I think – so I, I, I'm reading this book by Tom Sharpling uh, who's like a – you know, he's been fresh on my mind during this because he's he did like radio – he was like a radio DJ and he's like a comedian. Um, but he told this story in the book about how he covered this story about some – I can't remember his name, but he blocked a shot from Michael Jordan and then whenever the Seattle Supersonics were trying to hire players – they had to. They like paid this guy an, an immense amount of money to join the team, and then Sean Kemp, who I guess was like the star player for the Sonics, uh, like refused to play unless he got paid more than this guy. But um, super super tangential. I, I I probably should have that information prepared if I'm going to bring it up, but just reminded me of it. <clears throat> all right, my Howard Stern story. Let's I go. grew up here in Howard Stern all the time. My dad worked night shift, and he would like pick me up or whatever, drive me around mm -hmm. in the morning. And I just remember Howard Stern always being on. And I don't think I even considered it as something I could like. I was just like, this is like stuff my parents like. It's boring, you know, like. It was just kind of really... everywhere. Yeah, it was just everywhere. But I, I remember, it's just funny you, you bring that up because I, I feel like everywhere I was going when I was a little kid, Howard Stern was on in the car. It was like, I mean, he was that popular. Like it was him and Rush Limbaugh, like. Everyone either listened to one or the other. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is for me, it was just Rush Limbaugh all the time because my dad, that's all my, like, my dad just listened yeah. to that AM radio station. So I would have preferred head, Howard Stern. Uh, I feel like in my head, Howard Stern, Joey Ramone, Neil Gaiman, The Crow are all the same person. <laughs> that's. I can totally see it. <laughs> they all just weird looking dudes with long hair, leather jackets. Definitely I mean, him and Joey Ramone. They are the same person. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> it's like that Family Guy sketch where it's... Uh, Tim Burton. It's Throw him in there. Uh, Robert... Uh, what's his name? Robert Smith? Yeah, Robert Smith. It's like that skit from... Or that scene from Family Guy where it's like they're making fun of Dr. Phil or something. And he's like, I told you, I'm not a woman. I'm a horse. And he like unzips himself and it's a horse. But instead of for this, it's just like Neil Gaiman unzips himself and it's Tim Burton. <laughs> we're really, we're really like, we're gunning for a certain type of person. Um, we're looking favorably on the song that was dissing Bikini Kill. And then we're talking about the man show and Family Guy. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. So we're really, we're just going to we don't have. <laughs> My bad. I'm trying to get back on fucking top. I know, I know. I'm we got off topic. <laughs> I'm guessing when you're hearing no effects in the car, it's just like, is it just shuffled? Is it just like playlist? Uh, we usually do full records. So, so what do you think about, uh, is this like your favorite no effects record or which one is? Uh, so, so as far as my favorite goes, I think this one. Okay. So you asking this question is gonna, I, I've been thinking about something for about 20 minutes, uh, a missed opportunity. So this might be what I think is the best one. Uh, mm -hmm. it, 
it's not my favorite because my favorite i'm pretty sure it's it's a uh, punkin drublick has this song i'm pretty sure and if it doesn't y'all can correct me uh don't call me mike don't hey. call <laughs> me mike right right but yeah so uh so that record has that song and that's my all-time favorite no effect song uh and so because of that that's my favorite record and it has a lot of the same vibes it's like five years earlier i think so it's a little dirtier uh but yeah I mean, as far that as song, that song when like i first started into politics and it was like, like post 9-11 like muslims are bad that song made me feel like so seen because i felt like everyone my family was just like so afraid of everyone and oh, i love that song me too me too I I messaged Chad the other day. Um, he was he posted something about like what he was teaching his students in Spain. He's like teaching uh, overseas there now. He lives in Spain, and you know I sent him like, oh, you know you should teach him about American culture and play them. Don't call me wife. I know FX. And he responded. He was like, that was never one of my favorite No FX songs. I'm more of a Bob fan. <laughs> I was like, 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 okay, "Okay, bro, bro, damn, diss. (laughs) Uh, Because I was like, I fucking love that song. Um, Me too. Ian, I'll just go off Mike's answer. Um, I think that I agree with his sentiment. I think uh, So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes is the most, like, no effects statement. It's, like, their most, like, I think think it's their most well-done record. It sounds great. There's a lot of great ideas that they're implementing. I think it... You can look at everything they've done since then and before then, and you kind of hear all of it, but it's just per- it's just like really perfectly done. Um, it's hard for me to pick because I really kind of lump all these albums as like one big super album because I, I all the ideas are there's so many so- like particular songs that are my favorite on you know Punk and Drublick, Pump Up the Valium, this one War on Errorism are the ones I'm most familiar with. I like. Uh, I know I've heard the longest EP. I don't know if I've heard the decline. I get them mixed up. But um, I think that, man, it's hard. I think that this one's probably my favorite one now. Like, I would say War on Errorism, but I think there's some War on Errorism tracks that kind of just go in one ear, out the other. So this one's pretty consistent all the way through. So I think this is kind of my new favorite one. It might be recency bias. You know, we'll check back in in a year. We'll see where I'm at. But, um yeah, what about you, Ian? What's your favorite? Oh, go ahead. And I have a question. Well, we can let Ian you know, talk about this, but then I have a question for y'all that I think uh, could bring up some good conversation. Okay, cool. And the Neapolitan ice cream cover. Oh, I'm getting ready to bring that up. It's such... I remember, like, sifting through CDs at Circuit City and just being like, this looks cool. You know, like, mm-hmm. it, it's, its layout is weird. I'm not a graphic designer, but, like, mm-hmm. how they just chose to randomly put those little... The the words, uh, you know, yeah, this, yeah, they're kind of like it goes up and then descends, but like it's on the chocolate or whatever, you know, like it's just kind of random. It's really cool. Do you do you? I was happen- trying to find an interview to go ahead, Jake. I was just gonna say, do you happen to know it? Is there like it? Could you put sheet music underneath that, and would it line up on like notes on sheet music? Because that's what it looks like. To oh, me. it does kind of. It does. So like it would just be. <laughs> uh, it, I, I was trying to find an interview where they talked about the album cover because I had the thought today. I, w- I wonder if this was like their version of like, 
you know, all the 80s, like post-punk factory records, like Joy Division, New Order would have those album arts that are just like plain colors. And I wonder if this is like their funny way of like doing something like that, but it's going to be Neapolitan ice cream. If so, I love that. Um, but so I knew I was going to ask you all if it was your favorite record. So I was looking to see what my favorite record would be right before we started recording. I mean, I would say this is probably like number five or six or seven for me, but that's that's only because I love No Effects so much. Like, I still think this is like a pretty perfect record. But favorites would be War on Arism and Punk and Drublick. I'm basic. Uh, okay, well then you continue to help this segue. Y'all are welcome to roast me. You're welcome to tell me I just need to go back and listen to it with better ears. I've, it's been years since I've listened to it. Y'all know my opinion on uh, American Idiot. I think that it. Also, we've we've discussed it, and I feel like it it has its, its place. It's helped a lot of kids. Uh, you know, it's like a foot in the door to having a political opinion. But like, I think you're mostly right person, about American Idiot. I, I like it less and less as the years go on. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, so what I was going to say is, in my memory, and this is f- fully from memory. I haven't listened to it in over a decade, but I remember being younger and having a very similar feeling about the political songs. Uh, well, I guess that whole record is pretty political, but War on Errorism. If, if it's the one I'm remembering, we're hitting Bush on the cover and it's just like really yeah. shoving the politics down your throat. He's like painted uh, down, like a clown and it's like yeah. a sort of red, white, and blue background. So I fully get that like, you know, as you brought up earlier, they're their thing is like sometimes they do deep and sometimes they do simple and like you know murder the government i mean it's not like i mean i'm pretty sure they just say murder i mean they say other things but you know murder the government's a lyric like i get that that's a part of their thing is to just have simple words but i don't know in my memory i remember being like this is pretty like low grade political opinion stuff it doesn't really like and again i always bring this up i, I just remember being a kid and listening to raging against the machine and he's like it's like a history teacher. He's giving you yeah, years yeah. and dates and, you know, like <laughs> people's names and shit. And I just remember not not having that vibe. But maybe, and I'm fully acknowledging that I should listen to it again with an adult's ears uh, and I would feel differently about it. So I just want to see what y'all thought of Well, Mike's trying to, confer- like, you know, uh, compare a song like uh, Rodeo with you know separation <laughs> of church and skate it's like it's like he he flat out mentions in rodeo is like riding down rodeo with a shotgun have uh white people on the streets haven't seen a brown man since their grandparents bought one you know like it's amazing like, like that's amazing it's a great line and and i i just i don't want to shit on fat mike on this podcast where we're we're talking you know positively about his band but <laughs> like I know what you're saying, and I think that there is a very on-the-nose quality that can be a turnoff. I don't think you're full of it. I think that's a valid opinion. I mean, that's kind of the fun of it, though, is, like, we all fucking hate Bush, and this is just doubling down on, like, let's just make fun of George Bush for, like, 40 minutes. I don't know if that's what you're saying. I'm not trying to diminish your point. I, I think you're right. I think, like... Oh, you're, you're not diminishing my point at all, and I don't, you know... Like, y'all grew up appreciating no fix affects way sooner than I did. So you're going to have a different take than me. I just wasn't sure if maybe I'm remembering incorrectly. You know, there is a chance that I just like, that's what I decided it was. And I put it in that box and it isn't that at all. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, it's somewhere in the middle between American idiot and like 
Rage Against the Machine or Bad Religion where they're like, you know, giving you a history lesson. Because I, I do remember, I believe it's on this record, they name drop Noam Chomsky and Howard Zinn. And that's mm. where I like, was like, oh, I need to like buy a book by these people. So there is like, you know, it's definitely a lot more intelligent than American Idiot. But it is, but it is just like, we hate George Bush and that's what, you know, I'd say five or six of the songs are political. All the political songs are based around that. But for me, I, I like heard this right around the time it came out. And it was right when I was like starting to have my own opinions, probably like eighth grade or ninth grade. And I just remember like things were so crazy then with the Iraq war. And it really yeah. felt like everyone, at least all the adults like in my life were just like so brainwashed. And I was like, how do they not see like nothing's changed you know, by you know? the way no, I know. yeah i mean i'm sure a kid who's 13 now feels the same way i did then but i just remember feeling like everyone was just like out of their minds with anything george bush said he was so popular like yeah. after 9-11 everyone loved george bush he had like a 90 percent approval rate Oof, that's rough um you know, I actually want to revert and change my answer. I think that War on Errorism is still actually my favorite one. Oh, Mr. Contrarian here. I'll bring up the... Oh, look at He's like, wait a second. Oh, He's Howard Stern of the group. Man, I had this great Contrarian joke locked and loaded before we recorded, and I completely forgot it. You were going to love it. It'll If it comes to me, What's... I'll say it. Awesome. Now I can't remember. You said something the other day, and... We... I can't. It was something we all agreed we loved, and you were like, nope, it sucks. <laughs> now now it's, it's, not a fun, it's not a funny story now because I don't remember what it is. Um, man, I love what you said about Rage Against the Machine. Um, Rage is almost like an anomaly of a band that we. I feel like we should just save an episode and like talk about one of their records again next time we have you on. Because I've, I've like, never heard a Rage record all the way through. I've so never heard a Rage shit. record all the way through either. Okay, what the fuck? That's that's one of those things where it's our age gap because like yeah, that shit was like punk rock to me, you know. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, it still mm -hmm. is. I think they're like to me. You guys might not agree with this, but like I was a big new metal kid. I liked new metal. Like that was my shit in middle well, school for sure. And still system of system of a down is one of my favorite bands from that era. And absolutely listen to them and like a selection of Rage Against the Machine songs, but. Um, Killing in the Name of still, like, one of the best songs ever. I think, like, radicalized a lot of kids when it came out. And here's the here's a big thing, too. Like, Fat Mike's just like a, you know, a, Jew, a, Jew, a non-practicing Jewish punk kid from Southern California who was political. Uh, fucking Zach De La Roca was, is in, like, militant, like, groups in Mexico like he has he has like worked with these groups like he is in it like he is actually for the cause you know like you know <laughs> that's what's like so it's so yeah. funny to me that um you brought so, that so up so rage has a lot of songs about like the zapatistas right El and zapatistas, like the government thank like you. That was funneling guns into latin america yeah yeah that stuff i mean anti flag had a lot of songs about that i think they're I know Tom Morello is very close to anti-flag, at least. Mm -hmm. And learning about that stuff was, like, a new level of, like, I was like, holy shit, America is, like, more horrible than I knew. Like, just overthrowing governments left and right. 
in South America so, and Central America. It's interesting. So do people still really like American Idiot? Because I have had no interest in listening to that again. I remember, funny, funnily enough, on, my, on our Chicago trip in eighth grade, uh, that was probably like the apex of me and Ian's friendship at that time before we weirdly got separated in high school and didn't really talk again until like junior year. But uh, he let me listen to Green Day's album and the killers on his uh what was those things called the oh, the microsoft that first killers album is so good the yeah, first, it is. what was that first ipod that microsoft made is it zune oh no it wasn't zoom it was um i don't remember what it was called it was but a, I, I remember it, it was something like that i thought first of all i thought that was fucking cool because i i had a cd player was it just called an mp3 player no, it, I feel like it had a mine was a Dell. I feel like it had a name, but I don't remember what it, it was. It had a cool like rolling, like scrolling thing. It had like a cool tactile tactile feel to it. I remember hearing um what's like the epic song on there? It's like 7 minutes long. Is it Jesus of Suburbia? Yeah. I remember that shit blew my mind when I heard it when I was like 12 or 13, but now I don't even know if it would I would much rather listen to Dookie. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen to Green Day pretty regularly still, and I don't listen to really anything after Nimrod ever. Maybe Warning. I was going to say, Warning's got some bangers. Yeah, Warning's got some good ones on there. Yeah, Warning has some really good songs. Um. All right, well, I know there's some other stuff we want to talk about, so is there anything else we want to cover from NoFX? Ian, you want to put a nice bow on this section? No, I mean, let's just get into it. Birthday uh, reference. Happy birthday, Jake. This was, what'd you say? said birthday reference. Put a nice bow on it. <laughs> happy uh, birthday. Uh, see, Jake, Jake's just fishing for a present, even though, I mean, what do you want me to do from right here? Jeez, you sound like my brother Jeff. <laughs> oof, oof Shout out, Jeff. oof All I wanted was an oof for my birthday, and Mike just gave me one. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's next on the docket? Yeah. Uh, as we're wrapping up the episode. Well, we I think we still got a little ways to go because I know we okay. want to we want to do some. You have the uh, itinerary. I, I didn't come up with a catchy name for it, so maybe we could put something in and post. But uh, Mike is Twitch streaming now. He's becoming a what do they what do you call yourself? Twitchy Twitchers. VTuber. Twitch affiliate. No, a VTuber. Uh, so I am a Twitch affiliate. Uh, Congratulations! I think it's just called being a streamer. Thank you. Streamer. Uh, but yeah, I like to call myself a Twitcher. I think it's more fun. But yeah, that's been a lot of fun. My partner does all the the leg work, you know. She sets everything up and does all the cool camera stuff, and mm-hmm. I just sit and play video games and talk, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I I already like to play video games, so it's just kind of cool to do it and have all my friends hop on and you know roast me and stuff like that while I'm playing. So I've uh, I've only been able to. Maybe I think I've been to two or three of them, and they're always really fun. Uh, I'm, I get notifications when you are on, but I'm always like, I've always got something I'm doing. Sorry. Uh, oh, I get it. You're busy. But, you're popular. But um, oh no, any I'm po- <laughs> I, I'm popular with the stuffed animals over here, where I'm like playing with Amblu? my trading cards and like putting sleeves on my trading cards. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I wanted to ask, uh, I wanted us all to talk about what video games we're liking right now. So. Mike, I thought you might want to like plug your Twitch name so people can look you up and then talk about some games you've been playing, games you've been liking. So the the Twitch channel is just Cadillac Young, C A D I L L A C Y O U N G. 
And my favorite game right now, which is, I mean, I, I probably put an hour or more into it every day, uh, is EA Sports uh, UFC 4. It, if you're a fan of mixed martial arts or combat sports at all. That's MMA. Yeah, the MMA. <laughs> it's it's a pretty solid game. So I'm I'm also a fairly fresh gamer. Uh, like I I enjoy playing video games, but I'm not picky. I'm, I guess I'm not really picky in most things. Um, so like all over the internet, it's just people shitting on the game. It, you know, people talking trash about it. Like I think they do most sports games. It's pretty impossible to per- perfectly create a simulation of a sport. You know, yeah. there's just so many, so many things that make it hard. But as far as like, I mean, I watch a lot of, of UFC and mixed martial arts in general, uh, and they do a pretty good job. It's, it's got everything you could ask for as a fan of combat sports. It's got, you know, you can, you can focus on multiple different styles of fighting, but you can incorporate all of them because it's mixed, obviously. Um, and yeah, you can kind of focus on like I like kickboxing. To me, that's fun. Some people are wrestlers. Some people do jujitsu. Um, some people just like to be boxers, but you just have to be good at defending things that you don't want to partake in, like leg kicks or takedowns or something. Uh, so yeah, it's got all that. So and I like playing online because it's like the real deal i mean obviously yeah i'm sitting here getting cheeto dust on my hands and playing video games it's not i'm not getting any exercise out of it but you know when i'm when i'm in a fight with someone i don't know maybe they're gonna be wrestling heavy and mm-hmm. you know i'm gonna be sitting here trying to get that that knockout and they're just gonna take my ass down and you know fold me into a pretzel for three rounds and they're gonna win not by doing anything impressive but like just by controlling me so you have to defend for stuff like that and there are real rest or there are real fighters out there that you know like well they're not an exciting fighter but they point win and so it's it just feels really real like some people just want to swing and bang so you you just fight each other and see who you know who's gonna land that knockout punch first but nobody's really it's it's even less artistic than usual and you're just like let's just hit each other and who's got <laughs> the weaker chin you know um <laughs> So yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun. That that's that's my top. And you're welcome to edit out like half of that because I talked about it as if I just birthed it and it's my proudest thing. Um, I love it. But then, otherwise, I definitely would say uh, Fallout Four was a big one for a while. Uh, I'm not so much right this moment, but like for months of my life, I was replaying it, even though I played it for like six months of my life already um so that's a pretty solid one and then before that new vegas took up another like four of my months and that's a fun one so yeah that's you know mainly uh rpgs western rpgs but otherwise combat Mm -hmm. sports but only ufc i don't want to play fucking uh, tekken or you know they have ko mode in ufc yeah and it's it's so annoying there's like I'm sure there's a lot of skill when you're into that type of thing, but because I understand combat sports, like I understand the attacks and I understand the defenses. Whenever I play actual fighting games, I just end up button mashing and it's not really fun for me or the person I'm fighting. So Ian, can we put a, like a sound clip in there 
right when Mike gets finished where it's uh, that clip of Homer uh, in his car in that episode where he's like, nerd! (laughs) (laughs) Find it for me. Sure. <laughs> I'll find it for you. That's one of my favorite clips. Mike, I love how much you love those games. I'm kind of sad that you shit on Tekken, but I, I respect it. Tekken sucks. So I didn't shit on it. It's just not my thing. Okay. I yeah, like yeah. good games. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I like that. Have you guys ever heard of, um? I, I feel like I've shared it in our group chat before, but have you guys heard of Video Game Donkey? Yeah, you send me yeah, all, all videos all the time. I'll, I'll send you one of his videos, Mike. He did one on Tekken, so you probably won't watch it. But he's pretty funny. He's he's, he's really funny, actually. He's really funny. He loves Mario. Like whenever he does a Mario video, he like you just like your heart melts because he's like Mario is so cool. He talks like that. He's like Mario is the coolest. What? He's a cat Mario now. <laughs> um, it, it's it's great it's stuff. It's a pretty good impression. Um. Uh, so, uh, Mike, anything else you wanted to? Any other video games you're liking? Um, let's see. Didn't you just finish like a mystery one, like an adventure one? Firewatch. So Firewatch, Fire I played Firewatch. I I thought that game was an eight out of ten, and it would have been a ten out of ten if I liked the ending. But the ending was just a little uh, meh for me. But I also I'm not that intelligent, so we keep playing these games where like. It's, it's all about the experience, and then the end kind of falls flat. We played Layers of Fear 2, mm-hmm. and, like, the whole time I'm, like, you know, kind of picking up on pieces of the storyline. Those games will be hard to stream because you got to, like, interact with the chat, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, for sure. That's why it's good to have Amy because she's just like, yeah. look at your chat, dingus. Uh, but Layers of Fear 2, I, I, it ended, and I was like, okay, I don't think I got it. And then I watched, like, a 15-minute breakdown of what it was about and it could have been a completely like the dude could have just made up a storyline to a different game for all i mm-hmm. understood because i didn't pick up on half of what he was talking about you know so i don't know maybe i'm just kind of dense i'm not sure i don't think you are at all i enjoyed it in the in the the time which is you know what it's about it's about the friends you made along the way you know true right ian what about you i know you've been talking a lot about some games or at least buying a lot of games because you've been doing homework. Uh, yeah, all I've been playing is like an hour of Kingdom Hearts 3 a week, so I, I haven't really been playing too much of games. A- anything you're like excited about that's coming out or that you're excited to play that you downloaded or something? I know you got that PlayStation Plus recently. I mean, now that I learned that there's Final Fantasy games that aren't turn-based, I'm excited to try some of those. Which ones? Uh, that'll probably be. What there's like the seven remake isn't like fifteen and fourteen like live combat. So they're live combat, but I would be prepared that there's still going to be a turn based element to it. I played part of seven remake, and there are things that are timed like a turn based. Like you can cast fire, but you have to like run around the area to like be able to cast a spell again. Like it it does like reload, but that's how Kingdom Hearts is. I think you'll love those games if you like Kingdom Hearts. You'll love them. I'm more of a turn-based guy. Like I'm thinking of downloading Final Fantasy X because I never beat it. And Isn't that the love story? Plus. Well, yeah, I guess I guess that's the main story. Yeah, him and and Yuna or whatever her name is, Luna, Yuna. It's Yuna. Yeah, it's like the Bond kid who looks like Hayden Christensen or uh, not Hayden Christensen. Well, I think I want to play that Hayden one Christensen. if it's a love story. Well, that one's really cool. So 
I'll nerd out about Final Fantasy for hours, but that that one's awesome. It's basically about this guy, this kid named Titus who's a Blitzball player. Blitzball is like a made up game, and Blitzball's in Kingdom Hearts. He finds out something about his dad, and then there's this weird thing where his dad ends up being this like and en- this like cosmic entity that's going to destroy the world, and then. His girlfriend is this like really hot like summoner girl, and she can like summon all these <laughs> these creatures. Um, it's awesome. Baphomet. Oh, dude, all of them. Any Ifrit, Shiva, Quetzalcoatl. I know them all. I've got one complaint about the game. Let's hear it. Mike's complaint. <laughs> you know they said it. The first game was the Final Fantasy, <laughs> and, and then yeah, they had yeah. like fifteen and fantasies then, since then. And don't some of the games have sequels? Isn't there like Final Fantasy X-2? Like, yes, there is. Yeah. Come on. All right, guys. All right. What is this, the Howard Stern <laughs> That's show? That's a very valid complaint. That's why I never got into it. <laughs> like, it's like, what's the Final Fantasy? I want to play the Final right. Fantasy. Right. Right. Um, I, I think that's a valid and funny criticism of the series. It, 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 let's get like a first fantasy or a sexual fantasy. Yes. Um. So... No one asked me, but some games that I'm excited about. <laughs> you already, you, you already, you already answered. What did I say? I didn't talked about wanting to play freaking nerd Final Fantasy games. Well, I just was going off what you said. I didn't, you know, you never asked me what I wanted to play. I was just all right. Now, go on your Metal Gear Solid Five tangent and keep it short. Well, now I you, all right. So I, Ian uh, wants to. You know, make fun of me. Okay, so I have been playing Metal Gear Solid Five a lot, but I took a break last weekend, and I've been playing Resident Evil 1 Remake, um, which I really like. I find it very hard. Uh, it's punishingly difficult at times to me, and like, which is weird because I beat Bloodborne, which is also one of the like more difficult yeah, games out there. Yeah, I don't understand. Humble, I don't understand how you think brag. Resident Evil is hard. <laughs> I beat the Bloodborne DLC, no sweat. Um, <laughs> um, but it's really scary. There will be these moments in the game, and I, I really appreciate it because you can see how other games have, like, copied this, like, formula. And, but they did a great job with the remake because the graphics still kind of feel old, but it's clearly got some enhancement enhancements to make it easier. Um, well, the remake's from, like, 2002. Okay, so it's it's a port of the GameCube one, it's- then pretty much just like a remake yeah it's not really a remake okay. it was a remake like from playstation 2 from playstation 1 or something yeah it's like it's an iconic game um i love how like interpretive it is for your experience I, you can play it a lot of different ways um i actually realized I love the camera angles it's so scary like <sighs> some rooms you go in and the cameras are like the very top like the ceiling yeah well, there's it creates such a good atmosphere. There's some downright cinematic moments. Like, uh, there's I, I chose Jill as my starting character. Um, she was one of my favorite characters to play as in Marvel vs. Capcom 2 back in the day. Um, so, there's a scene where she enters a door and you see her walking through the door, and then they have those cool cutscenes that used to be loading screens back yeah. when it was a, like a PlayStation game because, you know, they had to pre-render all the areas and stuff like that which was a really I, I know cre- what a loading screen which was a really creative way to do it back then it wasn't just like a spinning circle or something um so i'm getting that kind of nostalgic game fix but it also f- still feels pretty relevant like i mean the camera angles definitely feel outdated but um it's really scary there's like cool things they do where like a like a window will be rattling and you think something's gonna pop through it 
but nothing happens, so you just keep going. And it's just got this, like, really cool momentum to it. Like, whenever I stop, I'm always like... Like, I feel like I feel like myself take a breath when I get to the save rooms and it's playing that, like, calming music and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I've been having a lot of fun with that. And then I think that maybe I'm getting sent a copy of Elden Ring for my birthday from Jeff. So, fingers crossed. Oh, God. We'll see. Um, that, I told him to send me a copy of that or Resident Evil 2 remake. So, we'll see. While we're talking about video games, did y'all mm-hmm. hear that in uh, 2000, Laura Croft got drafted to the Patriots. I did not. Uh, She's not going by Tom Raider. I was trying to figure it out in my head. I thought it was going to be uh, like an Oakland Raiders joke somehow. Tom Raider. I'm pretty Raider. sure. <laughs> so I, I had my own, I never heard I had that my own setup. Well, I had my own setup for it, but Amy says that all the time. So I got that from her. Tom Raider. <laughs> I might oh, need to make so uh, make art, make, make a T-shirt of that. Oh, that'd be so good. You know, if you ever do your Cadillac Young uh, tour across America, that's got to be one of your shirts. Absolutely. Um, I'd love to see a rendering of you in those like Laura Croft graphics. Oh man, just those that would be amazing. You've got like the ang- your beard's like all angular and it like moves. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up video games. Uh, you know, Mike, I know you got some exciting stuff happening as of the recording of this episode. Uh, you want to plug a couple of things here before we wrap it up? Uh, shit fires. Oh, it's late. Oh, it's yeah. yeah, yeah. So it drops in, you know, less than two hours. Um, uh, it, but for all you people listening, it's, it dropped days ago. Where the fuck you been? Uh but yeah, so new EP, five songs. We've released two of them already. There are three that you know no one's heard unless you're Corey Lucas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's gonna it's gonna be one that if you liked fuck to this, you're gonna you're gonna love Howdy Bitch. So we'll see how it goes. I love the name Howdy Bitch. That's really funny. Hell yeah, Hannah came um, up with that. She always comes up with our names. Do you guys have a way to like pre-download that EP? on spotify or anything like that you can pre-save it but i'll tell you what if you ain't already done it you're probably not gonna be able to do it before it comes out if you're listening to this (laughs) (laughs) well i'm gonna uh i'm gonna follow you guys so i get a notification tonight but for everybody listening it'll be available for you to listen to and download on spotify so fucking listen to it what what is tell people a little bit about what shitfire sounds like nobody listening to this yeah what are you guys about from louisville that's true. Uh, so we sound like punk rock from Louisville, Kentucky, uh, <laughs> which, you know, that in itself might not mean anything, Slip. but uh, God, no. <laughs> no offense. No offense. I like Spider-Man, too. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, you know, we all grew up listening to different forms of punk rock. Um and we stuck it in a little melting pot, and this is what came out. Hannah is our vocalist. She's always singing some cool shit. And, and unlike the first one, which we definitely just kind of threw together, this was more well thought out. It was like medium thought out. The third one we're working on is really well thought out. But this one that's coming out, I would say it was medium thought out, and 
it started being thought out probably around the lead guitar and vocal section. So you're going to like a lot of the lead guitars. You're going to like uh, a lot of Hannah's melodies. I do some backing vocals, which I did in the first one, but this time around, I would say they're better. I didn't write any of them. You know, Hannah writes the words and Luke just tells me what I should do because he's a better melody writer than I am or a harmony writer than I am. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it's hard to say what it is outside of punk rock. I mean, I, I grew up listening to punk and grunge, so I think there's some some grunginess to it, but I think there's a couple songs that harken back to, you know, like 70s rock and roll style punk rock. And, you know, we just kind of, whatever comes out of us comes out of us. Sometimes it's blood, poop, shit and fire. I'm really excited for you guys because I feel like as far as like um, a project that kind of embodies like your like fun kind of, you know, I don't I, I don't mean gross in a bad way. Like you have this kind of like, you know, gross out humor, like funness thing that's going on with Shitfire. And they like I to wear Crocs, which is gross. Crocs, you know, like and, you know, you guys are you guys are like getting pee inside your Crocs and like I, I just. <laughs> Getting I, pee inside your Crocs. You never done that. That's why the, that's uh, if you got holes on your Crocs. I sh you know I'm wearing yeah, I guess my. So. I shower yeah, at the gym in my Crocs, and sometimes I pee in the shower at the gym. So yeah, I guess I do get pee on my Crocs. Hell yeah, Jake. Yeah, I got Croc those Nation Crocs. baby. It's so dark. I can't. Those are Crocs. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, they were tada. Um, here I'll show you again. Uh, this will be great for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got some tie-dye. Those are Crocs. Crocs. Yeah, I got them. You gotta uh, get some. You gotta get some. Um, some pins. Some gibbets. Uh, yeah, gibbets. Some gibbets. Yeah, I love I that name. Croc charms. When Croc I was charms. in Kentucky last, uh, Mike and I went to uh, shoe carnival, and I learned what gibbets were, and I had a great time hanging out with Mike that day. So shout out to Mike, who's on the podcast. Um, Don't call me Mike. Don't call me Mike. Okay, but uh, let's, let's, let's wrap. Let me finish what I was going to say about Shiftfire. I was oh just going to say I'm excited for you guys. You've been getting a lot of like good press from like Never Nervous and stuff like that. I'm really excited for the EP. Um, so it's also like the the team up of that band has always been kind of a mind fuck to me because you got like these two kids who were like, you know, Luke and Cliff have been playing. Or is it Clint or Cliff? It's Cliff, right? Cliff. So. <laughs> uh, they were both like U of L students, and they'd been like playing music for like ten years or something. And then I never, I didn't know Hannah Blakeman did anything really musically until I think she started doing stuff with uh, Cadillac Young, right? And then that's kind of how it started. Yeah, yeah. You know, she was coming around because Luke was bringing her around, and we were all just hanging out. And then one yeah. day it was like, "Hey, we got these songs. You want to sing on them?" And she was like, "Yeah, let me walk in and try it." And then boom. That's what happened. Yeah, everybody. So um, check out uh, Shitfire's new record, Howdy Bitch, their EP. Uh, it'll be out by the time you hear this. Um, support Mike. Support awesome Louisville punk music. Um, uh, Ian, you were going to take us into the next segment? I was going to wrap it up. Is there another segment? We were going to talk about Tim Sale for a second, and then we'll wrap it up. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. We talk about comics somewhat often here. One of me and Jake's favorite artists, Tim Sale, from Batman Long Halloween, mm -hmm. all the Marvel color series, Spider-Man Blue, I can't think of the other ones, Hulk Gray, all those, mm -hmm. passed away. And Jake, you showed Tim Sale to me. 
when we lived together, you showed me the long Halloween. You're welcome. And <laughs> I'll tell you this, Jake. When I was a kid and I read comics, I feel like the pictures were just there. The art, like I was just reading the words. Mm-hmm. It was the 90s. Like The art wasn't that great, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you show me the long Halloween. I was like, oh shit, like comics are like, the art is just as important, if not more important than who's writing it. And I feel like that was such a game changer for me. And now today I buy comics just based solely on who's drawing it. So yeah. And Batman Long Halloween was one of those first things that made me realize that the art, you know, it's comic books. The art's important. So shout out to uh, Tim Sale. I got uh, a good uh, closing line for this if, if y'all would allow it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess that ship has sailed. He would love nothing better, I'm sure. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful sentiment. Um, well, everybody, uh, this has been another episode of Jubilee Street, a music podcast. Um, I'm Jake Curtis with my co-host Ian McCurtis. This was our um, amazing friend, uh Mike Stewart from Louisville. He's no <laughs> longer, after this after this podcast, and he said, "Don't call me Mike." Is his favorite song. He's no longer our friend, um, but we loved having you, Mike. Thanks for stopping by. Um, love it, and I'm sure we'll have you back on soon. Uh, uh, I sure hope so. So uh, everybody, you know where to find us: Apple Music, Spotify. We've got an Instagram page at Jubilee Street Pod, and then our uh, mailbox is uh, Jubilee Street Pod at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. Um, yeah, awesome that we made it to two years, and here's to another 20 more. Hell yeah. Good night. Good night.